This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of August 10th, 2015, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 238 of Defender Radio. Most of us have been able to agree that the plan to cull wolves in British Columbia in order to protect endangered caribou herds is a bad idea, particularly since the wolves aren't responsible for the plummeting population numbers of the caribou. But the government has not only pursued this plan with vigor, they've quietly stated it will be an annual slaughter of wolves for at least five years to come. Monitoring the actions of the government and challenging the fringe science with which they are attempting to support their plan is Wolf Awareness Incorporated. The non-profit group has spent countless hours pouring through records, speaking with experts, and conducting their own polls in opposition to this plan. But making matters worse is that the government isn't releasing all of the data they said they would even under the auspices of the mighty Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. To talk more about the struggle to find the truth from a suspicious B.C. government, Defender Radio is joined by Wolf Awareness Incorporated President and longtime wolf advocate Gary Allen. Why don't you bring us up to date? I think that's probably the best way to go. Um, in, in terms of the, the wolf cult that's ongoing, um, could you give us kind of like the brief history lesson up to where we're at right now? Okay. Well, it's, uh, it started the, uh, the BC, uh, wolf aerial call started on, uh, um, January 15th of this year, uh, in two areas in BC. One is the South Selkirk area that's in and around Creston, uh, BC, uh, and it shares a border with both uh, Idaho and Washington state. Uh, so that was a uh, one area. And then the other area is the South Peace area of BC. So south of Dawson Creek and Chetwin in, in that uh, area, it's a much larger area than the South Selkirks. Um, and, and what it's predicated upon in Wolf Call is that there's the uh, mountain caribou, uh, in those two areas are listed under SARA uh, as being threatened. And uh, so therefore uh, they uh, feel that they have to, uh, that they have this legal uh, requirement, which they do to, to protect those herds. Um, what we see is that they've, uh, you know, um, inaccurately uh, targeted the wolf as the, uh, as the big issue. Um, and that, and, and what, our organization, Wolf Awareness uh, Inc., and uh, and many other uh, scientists that are saying it's the habitat destruction and fragmentation that's the problem. So anyway, they uh, they conducted this uh, aerial wolf call, and in the uh, South Selkirk area, uh, it terminated just before April 30th, and they killed 11 wolves in that area from helicopters. And in the South Peace area, uh, they killed uh, 73 wolves for a total of 84. Uh, the BC government had projected that they wanted to kill 180 wolves this uh, summer, so they were they were certainly uh, below their projections, which is great for uh, for us uh, in that uh, not that many got killed, uh, but the number that did get killed is. Uh, 
is is problematic, and, and and we just don't see it as being necessary. Absolutely, I think anyone who's who, who's really spent more than two minutes reading about this issue will come to the same conclusion that you at Wolf Awareness uh, Incorporated have, as well as the Fur Bears um, and many many other people. Now. Let's uh, rewind a little bit before we get into the subject of the FOI, which, which as a, a former journalist, really drives me nuts. Um, but the uh, talking about the biology and the ecology behind the wolf killing plan, uh, pretty much every expert outside of the government has said this won't work. It won't help. It might even make things worse. It's not humane. Pretty much destroyed this plan. Why is the government pushing so hard still, even though every single expert on the planet is saying you're wrong? Yeah, that's the uh, the arrogance and the intransigence of uh, the Ministry of uh, Forest Lands and Natural Resource Operations. Uh, they, um, you know, it's interesting when they had their plan uh, peer reviewed, they only used two scientists, both from Alberta and both that are um, uh, very pro-wolf uh, uh, called from, from helicopters. So, uh, you know, they don't put it out for an independent uh, uh, peer review because they know that, you know, the comments you just made, Michael, you know, would, uh, would trash the pro uh, their program. And in fact, their own um, document that we got by way of, uh, of the FOI, and it's called the Experimental wolf reduction to enhance the recovery of threatened caribou herds in the South Peace. You know, the first word is experimental, uh, Michael, in, in, in the title. And throughout the document, which is mainly uh, governed by biologists, they, they are cautioning uh, that, you know, this is an experimental program. This uh, There's no guarantee that this is going to work. Uh, and in fact, you know, they do mention that in, on a number of occasions. Uh, so, you know, we found that quite interesting that their own government scientists uh, are, are questioning the efficacy of, the, of this type of program, but that information isn't being put out uh, by the government. They, I think, feel um, that they're, you know, they, as I mentioned earlier, they're under this legal requirement to, to protect these herds. They have left these herds unprotected for decades. Um, we have a, a, a study uh, done in 1979 in the South Selkirk area by a government uh, biologist and forester, and it's uh, uh, called the effects of, uh, of selective logging on uh, the caribou herds in that area. And, and what the conclusion of the, of the biologist, uh, the author of that report was, that even if they did selective logging in, in the uh, winter habitat of these mountain caribou, that that would put their, these uh, caribou in peril. Uh, you know, that's 35 years ago. Um, and they haven't done anything, um, uh, you know, to protect that critical habitat. So, um, you know, they're, I think, uh, you know, they, they're feeling the pressure that, uh, you know, that we're pointing out that you haven't done anything, you've allowed that the, the habitat just to be destroyed and fragmented, and now it's uh, you know you've got this uh, this animal you know on the endangered species list uh, uh, in critical condition, and now you're going to apply some type of, uh, of um, uh, treatment to it to try to restore it. 
And it's, uh, well, let's kill all the wolves off because, you know, we, we've identified that their wolf predation is, go, is going to uh, um, harm these herds even more. Uh, so that's sort of where, you know, where it's at. It's, uh, it's just, you know, they are so uh, committed to, uh, you know, to keeping wolf populations down in BC. This is a, a good um, uh, argument for them to use in, in this trying to protect the, uh, the mountain caribou and then woodland caribou herds. Uh, so let's go after the wolves. Well, and something that's been discussed lately in all kinds of scientific journals from zoological to ecological, uh, and I've interviewed a few of the biologists and ecologists, is, uh, well, really two parts. One is the importance of predator management in a non-lethal manner in all ecosystems, and the other is the debate of this so-called magic number, that there is some imaginary point at which a population is either healthy or unhealthy, or that removing a certain number of a certain animal will somehow fix an ecology, even though most ecologists say it's almost impossible to know uh, uh, what effects will happen when you remove even one thing from the system. Uh, so how do we, you know, really try and communicate that to the public, um, that this is going on, that all of this science is happening right now, that is in complete contravention of the government's current policy? Yeah, that's a really good point, uh, Michael. Uh, the, um, um, you know, in these areas, these are a multi-prey, uh, multi-predator uh, ecosystem. And, you know, when you do talk to the scientists, uh, you know, not the government scientists, because, you know, they're just following, uh, you know, the uh, the dictates of their superiors. But if you talk to, you know, well-respected, independent uh, um, scientists, you know, they just, they say, uh, you know, we, as much as we study these, uh, these ecosystems and the interrelationships between, you know, uh, prey and predators in it, we, we simply don't know all the intricacies of, um, a multi-predator, multi-prey um, um, ecosystem, and in, in a number of areas, it, even in the uh, in South Selkirk, you know, the government reports will say that you know cougar mortality on on the caribou is, is more of a problem than um, uh, than wolves and and also bears. Uh, but it's not really um, politically correct to be talking about killing bears in BC anymore, you know, with the grizzly bear uh, trophy hunt uh, issue and that. Um, but even, you know, if you talk to the government scientists, biologists, uh, and they'll do it off record, they will say that, you know, um, when we get herds of caribou, uh, 50 or less, um, unfortunately, they're doomed. Uh, there just isn't enough reproductive capacity within that herd to be able to uh, uh, to continue it. And so when you, the South Selkirk one is, you know, down around 17 and 18 uh, members. So, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, even avalanches, you know, could wipe out three or four. And if it, you know, uh, uh, took out, you know, two or three of the uh, uh, reproductive, uh, the cows that are that still uh, can, can reproduce, you know, that's good. That's going to impact the, those herds uh, incredibly. So, to get that science out, out to them, uh, to the public, um, you know, I mean, we're trying the best through the media and uh, and through uh, uh, presentations that we're we're doing, uh, and uh, you know, the the public is is, is understanding it, uh, but uh, 
The public tends to be about five to ten years ahead of the government scientists. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in? Your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at gateswildlifecontrol.com or dial 416-750-9453. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing keystone species. Beaver dams help clean water, promote songbird diversity, encourage fish populations, and create better soil and a cleaner environment. Beavers are good for Canada, but will we be good to them? Find out more at furbearerdefenders.com and give a damn about beavers. This is Defender Radio. We're back with Gary Allen of Wolf Awareness Incorporated to learn more about his group's struggle to get access to public records on the recent wolf cull. Talking about the FOI, this 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 is a very interesting subject. Uh, you, you gave a great interview to Andrew McLeod in uh, the Taiyi uh, at, at the very, very end of July. And this is something, as I mentioned at the beginning of our, our, our chat today, that really does hit me at home as a former journalist because we spend so much time looking at FOI uh, uh, procedures and how important it is to our to the really the foundations of our modern democracy and and free speech um, so tell us a bit about what's happened uh, for yourself for wolf awareness Inc as you have tried to use FOIs on the concept of this wolf cult sure um, yes uh, you know the first thing is that we don't trust what uh, um, FLNR, the Forest Lands and Natural Resource Operation Ministry, says. Uh, you know, it, the information that they give is piecemeal, and we don't see it as being accurate. So what we wanted to do was to get accurate information as as possible from the government uh, because we felt that they were hiding, you know, that this information and they were just leaking it as they felt that was. Uh, as it was necessary, because let's face it, they were under a lot of pressure, uh, and that with this, um, this call, I mean, it, it, you know, not only in BC, but as you mentioned, nationally and internationally. Um, so what we, uh, the strategy that we developed was, okay, we were going to, uh, submit, uh, some freedom of information requests under the freedom of information and privacy uh, act here in BC. Uh, and we wanted, you know, we asked for very specific, uh, information and uh, uh, we wanted to be able to get that and then analyze it and and then develop our strategy as best we could to to eventually get this uh, this call stopped uh, 
we realized that you know it probably we wouldn't be successful getting the 2015 one stop because it was already underway and uh, and that but we wanted to make sure that there wasn't uh, uh, the year by year ones that they wanted to do. So the first one we we put out was uh, you know give us the names of the helicopter companies that are that are doing this uh, and uh, because what we wanted to be able to do was uh, uh, you know given that it was uh, public money that was uh, paying for this program uh, you know people had a right to know that and also further with that because they're accepting government money if we knew who the names of the helicopter companies were we could then go and get further information from from them um and that they refused that uh they said that uh you know if they gave it it would be public safety but you know one of the helicopter companies bighorn helicopters out of cranbrook already admitted uh in telephone conversations with a number of people that they were doing it so uh it was already out there in the public um we then um wanted to get uh, information on the specifics of the uh of the program because we anybody that's uh, been involved in in wolf uh um research in that knows that uh, previous wolf control programs such as the ones that they had in the yukon they'd be using helicopters for about 15 20 years northern bc that they used it in the 80s and that realized that um Wolves will reproduce, uh, uh, have a high reproductive rate. So the more you kill them, the more they reproduce. And and that was being found in, in the Alberta situation that they've been doing in the uh, little smoke you heard around Grand Cache that, uh, you know, they, they would kill so many wolves in, in the winter. And by the time they started up the wolf call again the next winter, there was as many wolves back as, as they had killed. So that's when we got on to this uh, experimental wolf reduction uh, report that I uh, mentioned, uh, Michael. And, uh, you know, in that, uh, you know, we gleaned some information, such as that in the South Selkirk, it was going to be a five-year program. And in the uh, South Peace, it was going to be a 10-year program. Um, it was going to be reviewed after four years to see if, if it was working and uh, if it wasn't, then they reevaluated. If it was, they were going to continue it. Um, we then wanted, um, because one of the things that you mentioned, you know, is the inhumaneness of this uh, of this program. But you know, one of the uh, um, issues that the, the BC government uh, um, states in in, the, in their documents is that the aerial wolf call is the most humane way of uh, uh, and efficient uh, way of uh, of uh, removing wolves and uh, you know i mean anybody that you know looks at the word humane i mean it means benevolent or kind and i don't know how you can be benevolent and kind in terms of killing wolves uh, from helicopters but we wanted uh the information uh as to the number of wolves that were killed, um, the animal care guidelines required uh, a single shot to the brain or a shot to the lung heart area. Um, and, and what those guidelines say is that you've got to kill the animal quickly and, and no suffering. And uh, um, there was uh, reporting requirements within the permits that they gave these helicopter companies uh, permission to kill these animals because it's it's illegal to hunt from hel helicopters under section 27 
uh, of the BC Wildlife Act, but they get around that by the BC government giving the helicopter companies these permits. Um, and one of the main requirements of the permits, Michael, is, is a reporting condition, uh, and, and it's a mandatory. They, they've got to, you know, uh, the helicopter company has to keep records of um, the date that it was killed, uh, the sex of the, uh, of the uh, wolf, um, and, uh, and, you know, whether it was uh, um, shot and, and not suffering in that. And we've asked uh, under the FOI for, for that document, and, and they simply refused to give it. Uh, they gave us three um, emails that yeah, hardly were on point and, and maps of the areas uh, where they were um, uh, killing the, uh, uh, the wolves. They didn't, uh, the, those documents did not add up to the 11 that they said they killed in the Silk Silker or the 73 in the Silk Peace. Um, so, you know, they're, they're hiding this information. Um, they don't want some of that information out there in the public realm because they know that that'll even in, infuriate the public even more as to what they're doing. So that, that's been the basis of our, of our FOI request is to try to get some accurate information and information that will help us uh, further to put uh, pressure on them to, uh, to stop this, uh, this call. And what what would be an ideal resolution at this point for you? I mean, if someone were to come to me and say, hey, should we uh, stop killing wolves and do something else? I'd say, yeah, you should. Uh, it's a bad plan. Um, but for Wolf Awareness, Inc., uh, for yourself and for all of your supporters, what is the ideal outcome? I mean, if you were put in charge today, what would happen tomorrow? Well, yes, we we want to see the uh, the wolf call, um, you know, terminated immediately. Um, we, you know, we simply don't believe that the um, wolf predation is, uh, is is the main problem uh, of, you know, for the viability of these caribou herds. Uh, you know, it's the habitat uh, destruction and fragmentation. We'd like to see absolutely no human activity in areas where there is, uh, uh, where these uh, mountain caribou and the woodland caribou are. And that includes even recreational uh, activity. No snowmobiling, no cross-country skiing, no heli skiing, no nothing. You know, just leave these caribou to their own. You know, they're a species that want um, to have no human contact and certainly no contact with with um, uh, prey that uh, um, that the wolves like for example the care um, the moose and the and the deer they, they spatially keep themselves away from those uh, two ungulates uh, because they know that the wolves are, are around them so um, so that's for that's that's a big uh, issue is, is the caribou being um, left on the road and uh, um, you know the BC government's doing some maternal penning uh, where they're in, in the South Peace where they've uh, uh, they're net gutting pregnant uh, um, uh, female uh, caribou and and making sure that they, the birthing is taking place there and that the, uh, the caribou calves are about three months old I think when they're releasing them that's been a, uh, a experiment that's been 
used in the Yukon, I think, to some success. Uh, so that would be a way in which to try to augment these uh, um, these herds. But I think you know, and most of the scientists say you know that if they're if the herds are just so small, it doesn't seem to make much sense to put a, a whole bunch of resources in that. Let's protect the the bigger herds that uh, and protect their habitat so they don't. Uh, uh, get down to such small numbers that they really can't, they're not viable birds. Um, um, but let's not, you know, uh, use the wolf as the scapegoat goat for, uh, you know, for human activity that's uh, destroyed the, uh, the, the habitat that these caribou need to live in. And finally, I want to ask, um, because this is something I struggle with, is when we're talking about this publicly, uh, not, not, you know, like you and I could sit down over a beer or coffee, and I'm pretty sure nail this out in about 10 minutes. Um, but when we're talking about this publicly, be it on social media or, or at an event or to the media, we need to be able to tell people that it's not about wolves uh, and it's not even about caribou. It's about resources. How do we communicate that to people? How do we really show them what the stem and the solution of this particular environmental problem truly is in a way that they will hear and understand and be willing to then take action on. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. Uh, you know, I think it, I, I think the Northern Gateway Pipeline was uh, an issue that the that the people really understood. Um, you know, that it's resource extraction. It's it's uh, you know building a pipeline that really is, is going to do a whole bunch of environmental damage and uh, and I think you know that what we have to do is as a uh, as a human population is is um, obviously overpopulation is is a big issue uh, and it's probably the underlying thing that drives many things and including this uh, um, issue with the, the wolf and the caribou and that is that. You know, we're going further and further into their territory to extract uh, resources for a burgeoning population, which seems mainly in, in other areas uh, of the world other than Canada. Um, and that a, has a, a major impact upon, uh, upon our natural resources being, you know, wildlife. Uh, and, and that we have to really, you know, take a look at our, our lifestyles and say, you know, is it... Um, you know, do we need to go into those uh, into those areas and extract resources that are going to really um, impact upon wildlife uh, that are struggling with that? For, you know, for example, the the, the caribou in those areas, uh, um, and and I think you know that conversation is starting to to, to happen, uh, Michael, and and uh, you know we'd like to see it obviously uh, continue to to. To develop to the point where we can, uh, um, you know, we can have environment assessments uh, on projects, and uh, and where you know the wildlife, you know, have standing in those environmental assessments, right? Through through environmental groups, through the First Nations groups that are uh, that are saying, um, you know, uh, enough is enough. But, you know, we need to leave some. Uh, of the environment intact, so that these animals can can survive uh, and, uh, and 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 lead you know healthy existences uh, and not be on you know critical endangered uh, species lists and that. 
To learn more about Wolf Awareness Incorporated or get involved with their work, visit wolfawarenessinc.org. That's all the time we have for this week, folks. I'd like to thank Gary for sharing his time, as well as Brad Gates of AAA Gates Wildlife Control for his ongoing support of this program. Until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.